Did you start it over? I did start it over. Okay. So you took out my singing. I did. How else am I supposed to pay tribute to my favorite TV show? <laughs> um, by doing it again. It's the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. The only thing that I love is the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> so that's all I watch. Clearly. <laughs> Hi. Hi. You want a G chord? Sure. Are you going to serenade me? No, I already did. But Before recording. But that's no fun. <laughs> Everyone doesn't need me to serenade them. I think I do. Play and something. this is an F chord. Very nice. Hold on. My fingers are fat. And then a C chord. Very nice. Yeah. No, do more. How about an A minor chord? Do it like a song. Or an E minor chord. Play Chinko. <laughs> Chords after this one. Hold on. Go. Go. Good job. Thanks. Yay. And that is our introduction instead of our typical song. <laughs> Just kidding. play his ukulele and he'll play these like really cute songs and then Harper will scream play doing golf <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny Dada, tinkle. okay yeah. <laughs> and then she tries to play she tries to play it too i'm like okay he it's can. cute yeah yeah um do you remember that conversation we had when we were in the drive-thru at freddy's um no not the x-rated one <laughs> i'm cutting that comment out the one where, so we get in line at Freddy's, we get in line at Freddy's, and Freddy's is very new in our town, only like a month old, and so the line was pretty long, but we get there, and it's going pretty quickly, and then by the time we leave, it's like twice as long, at least, mm-hmm. and so we, we're driving away, and we're like, oh, we got here at a good time, or something like that. <laughs> it's a typical dad thing to say. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm talking about, is like the typical dad things, or like the typical white couple oh, things to say. yep. I was just thinking about that and how funny it is. So it's like Miles and I just went through moving. We're in my parents' apartment now. Our house is getting listed on Monday. So yay, that's exciting. Um, But we find a bunch of things that we're moving and we found our stud finder in the garage. Oh, yeah. So we had to make sure it worked. It it didn't. Miles was... I think it's out of batteries or something. Yeah, Miles was... uh, He put it up to his chest to make sure it worked and it did not. (laughs) I'm not a stud or it's not working. (laughs) Um, what yeah. other things? The other thing, so when Ethan and I were moving the uh, the, the coffee table that was in here the other day, um, he's like, "It's not, it's not heavy. It's just awkward." I'm like, "That is such a guy thing to say." And he while says moving. that every time he moves something <laughs> too. Ethan, that's like his coined phrase. Yeah, it's not heavy. It's just awkward. And he, he says it jokingly, but <laughs> I know, but that's what makes it funny. It's because like you're so aware that it's such a white people it, thing. It's such a it's such a guy thing to say. What another thing that you say, or not you specifically, but like 
men <laughs> in general um or do i guess is like when you get a pair of tongs you got to click it a few times to make sure mm-hmm. it works that's yep. just standard yeah like that's just we don't make the rules we just follow them right yep. oh when you leave the house without the keys oh can't then, go far without these yep you come back for them <laughs> can't go far without those and then when you strap something down in the back that's not going anywhere yep <laughs> you get it <laughs> are you talking about dads today um not not really there is a dad in the story but that's not like the topic there's usually a dad in every story <laughs> yeah typically except for orphans i mean <laughs> yeah no i just thought it was funny um i've been thinking about that conversation every time i think about it i'm like oh we should talk about that on the podcast and so i was thinking about it today and just wanted to bring it up because it's uh, funny. It are there, funny are there any more that you could think of oh probably <laughs> like i'm hungry hi hungry i'm dad you do that one a lot yeah mm-hmm. I, I do that I do one that. too yeah you, you do that one because i am also dad <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> just kidding Oh my gosh, it's so funny. So we haven't talked about this in a while, but Miles has a dad jokes book that I got him for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harper will pick up the book and she did this yesterday. We were having a movie night last night and she picks up the book and is it's totally upside down, but she's holding it up and like is just mumbling words out of it. Like she was like reading it to people. It was so cute. She's a cutie. And then she was like holding it up so people could read the jokes too. <laughs> anyways i love it yeah hey how's it going i'm all right i'm tired are you what yeah a, i'm yawning right now can you hear it what a crazy concept that you might be tired yeah. hey what day is it mm, sunday so hi everyone we are a little <laughs> bit late <laughs> yes it's been a crazy week yep we had a lot to finish with the house this week so we spent pretty much every single night after we got off work, we would go back over to the house and like clean or paint, paint or yeah, just do everything. And then yesterday ended up being crazy and we just get, didn't get around to it. So here we are. It'll be out today, uh, this episode Sunday. Um, so not not terribly late. We try to get them out every Saturday, but sometimes they come out on Sundays. So figured you guys would forgive us. Apologies. Yeah. Especially to our biggest fan. Yeah, we saw her today. We had to tell her, like, hey, no paparazzi right now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Shout out to you, Jesse. Uh, no, Jesse's in town right now babysitting her nieces and nephews. So we got to see her today at church. That was fun. Um, Yeah. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm not feeling too good today, but whatever. Are you pregnant or something? Uh, I might be. Um. <laughs> I, I posted this thing. Do you ever do this thing where you post something on Facebook or whatever platform and then you think it's really funny? So every time you get like someone reacts to it, you just like go and read it again and laugh. Do you ever do that? I don't post a lot on Facebook besides our, our stuff. Maybe I should be more active, but no. Maybe. You've never done that? Maybe. Oh, maybe that's a me thing. I know it's not just me because I've seen other people like make comments about that specifically. But I'm the kind of person if I post something that I think is really funny... And every time I like check my notifications and it's like, oh, so-and-so laughed at your post, I'll click on the post and then read it one more time, even though I already know what it says. <laughs> yep. And so I posted this thing today. It was like a repost. Um, it was like, listen, I know that I'm pregnant and that I look huge, but if you have to remind me one more time how big I've gotten, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everybody's been laugh reacting at it. And every time that happens, I go and just chuckle again. <laughs> 
You had a good laugh in your day. How are you doing? You already asked me that, but I'm great. Oh. How are you doing? Well, I just feel like I didn't get a conversation from you when I asked you. I said I'm tired, and then I started yawning. That's true. Yeah. Denver is not feeling good either. Denver does not feel good. He hasn't eaten. He didn't eat last night or this morning. I gave him like a little treat here just to see if he would take it, and he did. But yeah, poor guy. It's hard when you have sick dogs because they can't communicate with you. Yeah. Anyways, so how are you? Good. <laughs> just pretty, pretty good. How are you? <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> Do we have any any updates or news to share with everyone? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I do have two jokes for you if you think you're up for it. Yeah, I'm up for it. Are you sure? Yeah. That was a pretty intense yawn. Yeah. Earlier. If I don't laugh, then you'll know why. Either you're not funny or I'm just too tired mm. to laugh. <laughs> it's definitely the second one because <laughs> we all know I'm hilarious. You're the funniest person you know literally um so question how come the pioneers always had ugly wives why because they settled (laughs) (laughs) are you saying you're the pioneer and i'm the ugly wife well i am the dad so i'm just kidding (laughs) um what do you call a pioneer that smokes weed what a trailblazer hardy <laughs> <laughs> har uh, that's literally all the jokes i have i just thought that was funny that's a funny so what do you think we're talking about today um genghis khan i don't know who that is but sure what what okay never mind what <laughs> you don't know who genghis khan is no okay you're fine then can you enlighten me yeah he was a, <laughs> a pretty ruthless ruler Oh. Back in the day when he was, anyway, he was, you know, Chinese, if you didn't get that from the name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he did. Like he a was dictator? Like, not, not really a dictator, more like a, like a warmonger. <laughs> oh. I've probably heard about him. I just didn't recognize the name. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a leader. He was, anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're a... So yeah, he was, he was pretty, he was pretty ruthless. Should we do a story about him one day? I thought about it. Oh, interesting. To fuel your nightmares? Yes. Speaking of nightmares, my cousin Alyssa. Um, Alyssa, I'm telling your tea on the inner or on the air. She's um, our biggest fan. She is. Well, except for she's she's behind. Oh. Um shame. so she can hear about this in a few months when she catches up. <laughs> no, but she had a dream the other day and she was so casual about it. She's like, I have to tell you about this dream I had. And I'm like, okay, go. She's like, okay, so I had a dream that we were all at this, like, family barbecue get-together thing, and there was this hot tub thing that was underground, and we were all swimming in the hot tub, and then you got upset, so you left, and so then it was just me and one other person in the hot tub, I think it was my grandma or something like that, and all of a sudden, and, like, keep in mind, this is, like, our entire family, mm-hmm. like, all of us, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandkids, the whole bit, so apparently we get raided by this, I don't know army type thing and they shoot us all dead except for her and my grandma who were in the hot tub and she's just casually texting this to me and i'm like bro 
are you okay? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I'm fine. It was just a weird dream. I'm like, uh, that's a disturbing dream. <laughs> but, but okay, if that doesn't... different definition of the word weird. <laughs> no, I think she agrees, like, you know, that it was definitely disturbing. But just, she was so nonchalant about it. I was like, um, all right. I thought I had a messed up mind, but... But anyway, how are you? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> All right, so today, let's get into the story. We're talking about pioneers. We are talking about pioneers. Pia fars. We are talking about Pia one... wherever you are. Thank you for that poetry. <laughs> we are talking about one specific pioneer. Okay. And I want to know, I feel like you should recognize the name, but it might not have been in your realm of the culture that you grew up with. John Wayne. No. He was a cowboy. Laura Ingalls wilder Mm -mm. no nothing doesn't ring a bell (laughs) okay oh really quick that just makes me laugh so um the author of lame is that you covered what's his name vincent uh victor hugo victor hugo Mm -hmm. apparently my dad was listening to that episode and was like courtney you've got to be kidding but you don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was like yelling at her the entire episode like courtney she's like courtney (laughs) is this a joke is she just playing with us no i genuinely didn't know Anyways, that's how I feel like, from my end, that's how I kind of feel about you not knowing who this is. Because okay. it's like, what? You don't know who Laura Ingalls is? But also, now that I'm talking about my dad, he actually corrected me on something that I was saying during the Sully episode, Captain Sully. Mm-hmm. So apparently, at one point, I was talking about like his accomplishments and how he had done 20,000 miles. <laughs> but in all reality, or all actuality, what I should have been saying was 20,000 hours in the air mm. not twenty thousand miles yeah because miles I, I mean i don't know much about pilot but that that did seem kind of low because they travel yeah like thousands of miles each time but I'm like, i think no i think in my head i was thinking hours but i kept saying the word miles because mm. in my head it made perfect sense so my right. dad corrected me he's like you kept saying twenty thousand miles and i was like yeah <laughs> duh <laughs> But once he like pointed out, he's like, no, no, it should be hours. I'm like, oh, wait, no, that makes more sense than what I was saying. So public correction, Sully did 20,000 hours. We'll just have to do that story again. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Maybe you can recite it to us from memory. um, Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Yeah. So anyways, today's episode, Laura Ingalls Wilder. What if I said Little House on the Prairie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew Little House on the Prairie. So did you know that was based off a true story? I did. A real family? Mm-mm. Yeah. I did not. Yep. So Laura Ingalls, who's the main character, is a real person. And she wrote books based off of her life. And then those books were turned into a TV show. When my mom hears this, she's probably going to yell at me as well. Miles, you got to be kidding me. Because <laughs> no, my mom loves Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure your mom, because my mom watched it growing up, mm-hmm. and I'm sure your mom did too, mm-hmm. and then when I was younger, I remember my mom like rewatched it as an adult, and I think she like bought all the discs for mm-hmm. it, and we yep. watched it as a family, and I remember watching it. It was one of those Sunday afternoon shows we would turn on. We would like rotate between like that and Psych and <laughs> different you know TV shows, but that was one of them. Psych's a good one too. Little different from Little House on the Prairie, but just yeah. just a just a teensy weensy bit. Anyway, so, so Laura. So Laura was born on February seventh, eighteen sixty seven, 
She was the daughter of Charles and Caroline Ingalls. So there's the dad that we talked about. Charles. Charles Ingalls. I'm probably, guessing that's the dad. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, it's definitely Caroline. No, so Charles was definitely the one using the stud finders and and grabbing the keys. <laughs> Can't get far without those. All the horses left without the horses. <laughs> That's probably where it started. <laughs> Can't get far without uh, those. They probably still had like tongs back then too, like click 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 click. <laughs> Anyways, so Laura was the second oldest out of five children. So she had her older sister Mary, mm-hmm. and then there was Laura, and then Caroline, who went by Carrie. Um, and then Charles, who went by Freddie, and then Grace. <clears throat> so we'll talk about them as they come a little bit. But we're starting with Laura, who was born in uh, 67, 19, or, sorry, 1867 in a little village called Pepin, Wisconsin, which still exists today. Wisconsin? And, yeah. It's right on the border of Wisconsin and Minnesota. And the population of this little village in 2010 was 897. Wow. Small place. Yeah. So it still exists, but this is where they lived in a log cabin. And this actually inspired the first of like one of her books, which was Little House in the Big Woods. However, when Laura was two, the family left Wisconsin and they actually traveled around quite a bit. And reading about this kind of stressed me out because with everything that we have going on in our lives and like the technology we have the help we have the resources we have moving is still stressful mm-hmm. especially with a two-year-old yeah. and they had two kids and then added three more and they continued to move however if you think about this was you know late 1800s like times were different so they had to move where the wealth was basically mm-hmm. And they, a lot of people got their wealth from farming. So they would move to different places so that, like, you know, if their crops weren't doing well in Ohio, or not Ohio, um, Iowa, they would move back to Minnesota. And if, if it wasn't working out in Minnesota, they'd move back to Wisconsin. Hmm. They juggled back and forth between, like, living with family members and things like that. But ultimately, they did end up back in Wisconsin for a little bit, where they lived for about three years. And part of, part of their move as well, so... They, I mentioned they moved to Iowa at one point, mm-hmm. and part of it was that they lived on an Indian reservation that they were told was going to be opened up to white settlers, and then it never did, and then they heard, like, a rumor that the white settlers were going to get evicted, mm-hmm. so they're like, okay, well, we don't want any trouble, we're just going to go, and then they had originally sold their log cabin in Wisconsin, but then the people who bought it, like, stopped paying the mortgage, and so for some reason it, like, deflected back onto the Ingalls. So it's just like a whole mess. Like a lot of these things, again, I can only imagine how stressful this was for this family. For sure. And they don't have cars, you know? And so they're having to travel back and forth between states, back to these places, and I just feel for them. Very hard. Yeah, that'd be rough. Mm -hmm. So they ended up in Wisconsin for about three years um, after they had traveled for a few different years. And again, that is where... Her first novel, Little House in the Big Woods, uh, kind of took place, was the beginning of that. And that is also the beginning of the story of Little House on the Prairie. I don't know, I don't remember exactly in Little House on the Prairie if they move, like if they're like the new people in town. I'm not exactly sure like how they get to this town, if they're already there, if they moved into this town. But I do know that some of the stories in the beginning of the show take place or are technically from when they lived in Wisconsin, even though it's in this 
town in the fictional TV show, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I gotcha. When when they were in Iowa, that's when Carrie was born. And then their little brother, Freddie, was born. Freddie only lived to be nine months old. Aww. And then he passed away. And then seven months after he passed is when their youngest daughter was born. And that was... Grace. Grace. Thank you. You're welcome. So... I was listening. Yeah, you were. <laughs> so Grace was born May of 1877. Um, and that's when they were living in Iowa... Da, 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 da. They moved so much. I'm not really keeping track of this very well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm confusing myself. I know they lived in Wisconsin for about three years. A lot happened in Iowa. That's where the rest of the kids were born. Also, when they were in Iowa, they helped manage a hotel. And then Charles got a job offer to go work on the railroad. However, that moved them to South Dakota. So then South Dakota is where they end up staying for the remainder of their lives, or at least the Ingalls part of the family. It's not too far away from us. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, so they lived in a little town called Desmut. Desmut, Desmut. Desmut? D-E space S-M-E-T. Oh. Smet. Desmet. Desmet. Desmut, like the uh, reading th- genre yeah. for women. Yeah. <laughs> Can you explain smut? Yeah, so basically, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, for real. Uh, smut, if for those of you who don't know that word, it's basically like raunchy novels. Like a little risque. Risque. Yeah, they call it smut. Anyways, it's not de smut, it's de smet. De smet. De smet. De smet. <laughs> so now they have four kids. Charles. House on the Prairie is not smut. That's, well, that's whatever true. Book it was called. <laughs> However, I kept looking up like, you know, moments from Little House on the Prairie that are memorable. And a lot of it was like romantic moments. And I'm like, no, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so that's where they ended up settling. He was working for the railroad. He also kind of uh, was working as a butcher in the town, Charles. But at this point, their kids are getting older. So... Uh, Laura is at this point, she's in her teen years Mm -hmm. after they've done all this moving. She has these younger siblings. And in 1979, you know, Mary, the oldest, actually got sick. And she got like scarlet fever. And she never fully recovered. But she she did recover, but she lost her eyesight because of it. Mm -hmm. So she went from being fully able-bodied at 14 to being completely blind for the rest of her life. And that was really hard on the family, as you can imagine, financially. And of course, like they had, again, they had to rely on their crops every year for money. And so times were really hard. Granted, Charles did have a good job with the railroad, but it still just wasn't enough for like Mary's medical needs. Um, And since Mary wasn't able to work, Laura kind of stepped up and took over that role. And so at the age of 15, Laura became a school teacher. And if you watch Little House on the Prairie, this is something that she was very, like, passionate about. She worked really hard to get her teacher teaching degree or mm-hmm. license, whatever. And she just was passionate about it. But in real life, she actually hated it. <laughs> and what's cool, I, I think pioneer stories are fascinating because their lives are so vastly different to what we have now. Because she taught in a building mm-hmm. that was one room. And that was all grades in one room. So she was teaching anywhere from like five-year-olds to her own age in one classroom all the same time. Okay. But I'm sure the, you know, 
number of students is probably only like 10. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know? <laughs> school wasn't very big back then. So I've had. What was interesting, though, is because she was also attending high school. So I don't know how that works because she was a student, but she was also the teacher. She did um, end up dropping out of high school. She never graduated because she became a teacher mm-hmm. and decided to focus on that instead. It's just interesting. Can you imagine, like, being in one classroom with all your siblings and you're all supposed to be, like, like you're all at different levels of learning, mm-hmm. but you're also being taught at the same time. I mean, when <laughs> when I was in primary school, my brother and I, I think, I think we were in the same class for, for like a year before he graduated. Interesting. Like they had grades four, five, and six. I was grade four. He was grade six. Because we, we, we went to, I've mentioned this before, but we went to a very small primary school. It was like the, the total amount of all the kids grades we have grade prep which is prior to one like preparatory so like kindergarten kind of thing kind of it's like between kindergarten and and grade one. Oh, okay that's great whatever you want to say um so it was like grade prep through grade six and like all those kids combined was a total between like 70 and 80 so wow. it was pretty small yeah so we had room but you probably had more than one actual room that you all sat in right we did yeah <laughs> yeah it was uh thinking about it it was like it was a really small school or it is a really small school because it still exists um but like they have like two different entrances and then they're like the whole building itself is probably like maybe 100 meters long if that that's funny yeah school in australia is a little bit different yeah and you especially grew up in a really small town Mm -hmm. that's cool but yeah like i can't even imagine what it would be like to like, let's say you're in high school and you're sitting next to your kindergarten sister. Yeah, that'd be that'd Being be taught by good. the same teacher, you the know. Same content. And it obviously, like, it, it could be different than what I'm explaining it as. But that's, like, kind of what I'm envisioning is, mm-hmm. like, you have the older kids and the younger kids all in the same room. Anyways. Well, let's go back in time. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so, yeah. So, she didn't really like teaching, even though the the show depicts that she did Mm -hmm. but she also on the side was working for a local seamstress making dresses and then again she was kind of in high school then also kind of not so she just had a lot going on but then on top of that there was this guy Ooh, a guy (laughs) okay this is one of those things where like it's not weird but at the age of 15 it's a little weird because he was 25 okay and uh, his name. Da, 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 da. That's a weird name. Yes. Is that French? <laughs> his name was Almanzo Wilder. Almanzo. Almanzo. Did his parents hate him? <laughs> no, they were actually uh, very wealthy they were a a staple of this town but he was a young bachelor and he had his eye on this 15 year old laura ingle ingles times were different back then folks yeah (laughs) well and also i think a lot of it really did have to do with money because i don't know how people like we get stressed about finances but like people literally were fighting to survive yeah back then um not that we're not now but it's very different and so Wilder, Almanzo, he, you know, starts flirting with Laura. They kind of hit it off. They become friends. But he has a sister named Laura as well. So he actually gave her a nickname, uh, Bess, because her 
or Bessie or something like that because mm-hmm. her middle name is Elizabeth. So he like kind of nicknamed her and then she nicknamed him back and she called him Manly. So Manly. Manly. So it was Manly and Bess. And those were kind of like endearing. Spoiler alert. They used those up until the day they died. Those nicknames for That's each cute. other. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, it's not weird when you think about later in life because again, spoiler, they end up married because mm-hmm. um, she's Laura Ingalls Wilder. Wilder. Never would have guessed. <laughs> but I just think that that part is cute. You know, they have this cute little playful affection with each other. So at the age of 18, he does ask her to marry him and they do end up getting married. And in the show, Little House on the Prairie, it's like a big deal. Like their whole romance, they do multiple episodes on it. Mm -hmm. You can look up clips of like Almanzo asking Charles Inkles for his daughter's hand. And it's like, she's only 18, you know. But at that point, she's a full grown adult. Like she's been teaching and working and providing for her family for several years, Mm -hmm. you know. But at 18, he's 28. So again, not super weird. But like who gets married at 18? I, I didn't. My mom. My sisters. <laughs> my sister-in-law. <laughs> I can't so, name. so people. <laughs> I can't name. People it do was, it. That was a joke in case anybody didn't know. I can name so many people who still today get married at 18 and I give them crap about it. But I was also really... We were young. We were like 22, 23. We were 22, both of us. Yeah. I was approaching 23. You were a month away. Ugh, I'm so old. And then Almanzo over here is this like... He's 28. Yeah. What is he? Not, not an old maid. What's the man version? Um, an old thought. <laughs> <laughs> Pull yourself together, Almanzo. But I'm sure in this tiny little town, there wasn't a lot of prospects. Probably so. not. <laughs> uh, da, da, da. So, again, Almanzo was relatively well off. Like, he wasn't super rich, but like for this town, he kind of had it made for him. Mm hmm. He had, quote, a degree of prosperity on his homestead claim. Do you know what a homestead is? Like the the land that people live on? Yeah, but it's like... It's like government land that you own. Okay. So basically all of America. Well... Just kidding. <laughs> well, I, I didn't, maybe I'm not understanding this right. Because I looked it up because when they moved to uh, DeSmet, when they moved to this town... Charles applied for a homestead for like 200 something acres. Wow. And I think from what I Googled, I think it's like you can own it and profit off of it with the agreement that you tend to it. Okay. And, you know, I guess if the government wants it back, you also have to kind of be willing to give it back. Okay. I'm, and I could be wrong. Maybe I might be sounding like a total moron right now, but it's uh, having a homestead is different than like 100% owning the property, I think. Okay. I think. Gotcha. But like after reading about all the times they moved around the first like 10 years of their kids' lives Mm -hmm. between Wisconsin and Iowa and Minnesota and, you know, now South Dakota, like there were a lot of real estate laws that are so different than today. Like you didn't really have any rights as a property owner. Or, like, the kind of rights you have now are very different. Like, you actually have rights today versus, like, back then. Interesting. Especially, like, so when they were in Iowa, part of the issue was that they lived on an Indian reservation. And even if they bought the house, they didn't have legal rights to it because it was an Indian reservation. And I don't actually know today if that's different because we don't live on an Indian reservation. But yeah, I don't know what the laws are. 
for that. But then also thinking about like the new homeowners of their Wisconsin home who didn't pay a mortgage, but then the Ingalls started getting taxed for it or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like once you sell a house, you have no obligation to it. It's not yours anymore. Right. Right. (laughs) But apparently with them, it still was. Anyways, it's just it's just confusing. Homeownership is rough in general, but in 1870, it sounded worse. (laughs) But yeah, so Almanzo had a degree of prosperity on his homestead claim. uh, And then the two of them moved into a house just north of town when they first got married. They basically for newlyweds, especially in this time frame, they were they had it made. They had a farm. They had wealth. They had a house. They had a barn. They had animals. And then in 1886, December 5th, Laura gave birth to their daughter, Rose. And everything was great. They were living the life. Mm-hmm. When Rose was three, this is when crap kind of hit the fan. Almanzo gets sick. He came down with a bacterial infection called diphtheria, mm-hmm. if you've heard of it. It almost took his life that year. However, he did eventually recover, and it, it caused him to be partially paralyzed. And so he was mostly able to function as a normal person again, but at you know the age of 30 on he had to use a cane to walk so he was partially disabled because of it but almost losing their husband or her husband and the father of their child you mm-hmm. know it was really rough and then one day their barn catches on fire mysteriously oh, no. the barn catches on fire the hay catches on fire the animals get killed they lose everything it, it spreads to the house their house is destroyed and they find out that it was accidentally caused by their three-year-old daughter. Oh. So I don't know how she did it, but Rose caused a fire. Pyromaniac, starting early. <laughs> so they have a sick husband slash father. Their child accidentally destroys everything they have. They literally lost everything. And then, in later that year, Laura gave birth to their son, who lived for 12 days. And he passed away. Yeah. Childbirth back then was also rough. Yeah. I think he had like an underlying condition they didn't know about. Mm. But he lived... From what I understand, because he only lived 12 days and because I think they realized he was sick when he was born, they never gave him a name. So his um, tombstone is actually marked as baby son of A.J. Wilder. So like he doesn't have a name, which is really sad. And and Laura, up until the day she died, didn't like talking about it. And uh, as you can tell, that was basically like the lowest point of their lives. Mm-hmm. Almost losing a husband, losing a son, losing their house, losing everything they had. They had to move in with the Wilders, like the in-laws, for a little bit. Um, living with the in-laws is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Miles, how many times have you done that? Oh, I don't want to <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> That's number three. The first two times was in the basement. Now we actually have like our own space, which is kind of nice. But we're renting it, yeah. so it's a little bit different. <laughs> no, but I'm just kidding, Colin and Becky. I'm but kidding. the thing is, is that when they moved in, uh, Almanzo was still sick, mm-hmm. and so they decided to take their chances and move to Florida, hoping that the warmer weather would help him out. Head on the beach. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> and they get there, and the culture there, I mean, it's Florida. Come on. There's people chasing alligators and throwing them through drive-thrus. <laughs> like, 
Um, people fighting ducks. <laughs> people walking around with like machetes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, average day in Florida. But they moved down to Florida and the culture was just very different than what they're used to in the Midwest. And also the weather, they just never really got used to the humidity. Mm-hmm. And so there was no way of knowing if it was helping Almanzo because they were just kind of miserable. So they did end up moving back to Desmet. Desmet. I've got, I don't live there. That would be really hard to say all the time. <laughs> well, you'd get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> so they moved back in 19, or 1892, only to pack up in 94 and move to Mansfield, Missouri, where there, again, there, you know, at this point, it had been about five years since the fire, but they still kind of were starting from ground zero. They didn't really have anything. Mm-hmm. And again, because Almanzo couldn't really work, they just did what they could. And so they started off in Mansfield selling uh, wagon full wagons full of wood for like 50 cents. And that's what they did. And thankfully at this point, and this kind of gives me hope for life because like, I can't stress this enough. Like we are doing, we're doing fine. However, financially, like, I feel like everyone is kind of struggling right yeah. now. <laughs> like across the globe, everyone's just kind of struggling. So it'd be really nice to like get a quote break and have something happen where it's like, oh yes, finally we can get ahead. And that's kind of what happened with these guys after five years after losing everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're here. They planted apple trees, but obviously that was going to take them several years. It took them seven years before the first apple came, but they slowly just kind of started rebuilding their lives and literally like making their roots in Mansfield, planting their roots in Mansfield. Mm-hmm. And then one summer, Almanzo's parents came and just gave them a deed to a house that they had there. In Mansfield? Yeah. Conveniently? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that's one of those things where like, that's what I mean by like their break is they got a break that helped them kind of get ahead, mm-hmm. you know, several years probably from what they needed because they were able to use this property that basically gave them a big like economical boost essentially and at that point they purchased a 200 acre plot of land which is huge Mm -hmm. and they used that to build basically their own homestead i don't know if again i don't know if i'm using the word homestead right but like they turn it into a working functioning plot of land 200 acres it's a good amount of land too yeah <laughs> they actually ended up uh in so fast forward like 1910 they ended up building a house on this land so they kind of lived there and they had it was like fully functioning they had a quote thickly wooded stone covered hillside they had a windowless cabin which became their home for 20 years they had developed prosperous poultry dairy and fruit farming they had like an apple orchard they kind of supplied the town with everything they needed with eggs chicken meat milk fruit it took them 20 years but that's kind of how it started was they were able to purchase that 200 acres because of the deed that they got from his parents and it just really helped them and that money basically supplied their life for the next 20 years but what we know about laura ingalls is that she was a writer Mm -hmm. she wasn't a farmer like she was a farmer She's actually very popular for how successful her farm turned out to the point where she kind of became a public speaker about farm life. Okay. But that's also kind of what launched her career in writing is because a local newspaper were like, hey, um, 
you turned your farm around and made it profitable for your family. Can you write a column about this in our newspaper? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And so she did. And it got really good traction. So they offered her a permanent position at their newspaper. And her column that she wrote regularly uh, was... Little House on the Prairie. No. Her column was called As a Farm Woman Thinks. And it kind of became her own personal blog. She would write about farm life, obviously, family life, Mm -hmm. traveling, politics, like kind of like what was going on at the time. And then during this time, now we're kind of approaching... Uh, so she she started working for the newspaper in 1911, and then in the 1920s was when the Great Depression happens, and mm-hmm. so everyone again is struggling financially. Um, she still they were still were making money from their farm, but things just weren't great, and she just kind of was able to be like this relatable voice in the paper that people would read about. Um, at this time, also her daughter Rose got married, and moved to San Francisco with her husband, and also became a notable writer there. And her work was getting attention and was getting praise and she was getting money for it, like getting good money for it. And she's like, mom, you're a good writer. You wrote all these stories about your childhood that are just kind of sitting in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. She's like, you need to do something about this. You need to publish these. And her mom had no idea. Like Laura had no idea what to do. So that's something I think is super cool is that if you think about it, Laura Ingalls gave birth when she was, or yeah, gave birth to Rose when she was like 20. At this point, they're both adults mm-hmm. and now they're becoming friends and colleagues and her daughter's like helping her push her own career. And so although Laura like went and traveled back to San Francisco to see her, Rose actually bought a little house in Mansfield to come and kind of like help be an editor for her mom's work and help get her books published, Cool, okay. which was super cool. Uh, and especially because after writing... You know, Laura never finished high school, and that was basically the furthest her education went. But after writing in this column for 10 years, like her own blog, her writing significantly increased. She became more deliberate with the things she was writing about. She became more punctual, literally, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and just an all-around better writer. But then her daughter, because of her daughter's experience, was able to actually go through and, like, edit her work and make it worthy to be published, right? So 1929... That's kind of when Laura decided she needed to take the plunge because that was after the stock market crash. They had a lot of stock and so they lost a lot of money that year. Um, But then it also, it had been five years since her mother's death. Mm -hmm. So Caroline Ingalls. Um, But then also four years since her, or no, sorry, two years since her sister Mary's death who died in uh, late, I think it was 1927. So at this point she's like, you know what? I really have nothing left to lose. And so she goes to get her book published and she worked with a publishing company called Harper and Brothers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they initially called her book when grandma was a little girl. And however, the book title was changed by the publishers mm-hmm. uh, in 1932 when it was officially released to Little House in the B- Big Woods. And this became uh, a pretty big series. It was initially written for elementary age children mm-hmm. however it became a quote enduring eight volume record of pioneering life in the 19th century so it kind of became these classic novels essentially about pioneer life and although laura to this day admits that like half the stories are fictional like or laura herself admits this yes to this day yeah well she's dead but <laughs> But, like, embellished stories, like, 
stories based off of her life but yeah. aren't like 100% accurate they're accurate enough that people consider it like almost historical context because you look back and just see like what was life like back mm-hmm. then um, even if some of the characters are fake or some of you know what I mean stop one second Time to behind you why Did you get it? Yes. What was it? Do you want to do it over? Yeah. It was, was it climbing on me? No, it was like descending onto you. It was about to get in your hair. Thanks for rescuing me. <laughs> Step now. Thank you. You're my knight in shining armor. Damn right I am my night in gray sweatpants <laughs> just kidding <laughs> which would you prefer <laughs> all right moving on so uh da, 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 da. yeah so pretty cool books they got popular really quickly everybody just loved them uh her first check that she got from harper and brothers in 1932 was her smallest check that she ever received from it. So her first royalty check, mm-hmm. it was $500, which is equivalent, back then. equivalent today <laughs> to $10,720. Her first check? Her first and smallest check that she got from a royalty from it. What? So, and she published these in 32 and got paid out in 32. Dude, I, I, need to, <laughs> I need to go back to the 30s and start writing books. Damn. I don't know personally how often she got paid, but every time she got paid after that, it was higher. <laughs> Just kept increasing. Yeah. And here's the thing is they they lived a respectful life and they had the money and they had the respect of their community and everything. However, they did not have wealth mm-hmm. until she wrote these books. Then at this point, they were rolling in it. <laughs> and... Uh, not only that, but the royalty checks started coming regularly along with, like, fan mail. And then it got mm-hmm. to a point where, like, people wanted so badly to know who this Laura is from the little house in the big woods. Mm-hmm. And so almost daily, for years, cars full of people would just show up at their house looking for her. Like, just fans. Okay. And they're just like, oh, hey. <laughs> she like, put themselves in a museum pretty much oh there's like a whole uh i don't even know i don't even know if you can call it a museum because it's like you can go onto like i don't know if it's their specific property or a similar property where they like replicated her home Mm -hmm. you can like walk around the grounds and walk into her house and see like a replicated carbon copy or whatever anyways yeah it's a big deal her life is a big deal yeah (laughs) must be nice her books actually i was gonna mention this um they have continuously been in print since 1932 and have been translated to over 40 different languages wow yeah so these are pretty popular and weirdly enough so it was at least eight books the fifth one let me find out which one that was i know it was the fifth one got really popular in japan specifically which is super random but she has a really large fan base in Japan for uh, one, two, three, four, by the shores of Silver Lake. So her books, speaking of, 
the Little House books are as follows. Little House of the Big Woods, Farmer Boy, which is about Almanzo mm-hmm. and his childhood, Little House of the Prairie, On the Banks of Plum Creek by the Stone Shore, oh, sorry, by the Shores of Silver Lake, The Long Winter, which speaking of the winter after they moved to Desmet mm-hmm. was on record one of the coldest winters they had ever had in that town. Wow. Ever. And so she wrote an entire novel about how hard that winter was. And I can only imagine, like, that would be rough, especially when you live in a log cabin. Mm-hmm. Anyways, A uh, Little Town on the Prairie, These Happy Golden Years, and then The First Four Years was the last one. Actually, I'm not sure if these are all in order, to be honest. This is just what Wikipedia is telling me. But The First Four Years is written about the first four years of her and Almanzo's marriage when everything fell apart. Right. So... These are not all cheery, happy books. These are about her life, you know. So Almanzo and Laura lived in luxury in their own little house that they built and they stayed in for the rest of their lives. So they never upgraded. They did end up selling most of their farm. She had to keep a few animals and like enough crops and like plants and fruit to keep her busy. But they were just happy and content living in their little house, mm-hmm. <laughs> making all this money. Uh, in 1949, at the age of 92, despite the illness he had um, had when he was 30, he lived until 92, Almanzo did pass away. Uh, after his death, Laura lived on the farm alone for another eight years. Um, until 1956, Laura became pretty ill from undiagnosed diabetes and cardiac issues. And she was sick, and so Rose came to visit for like Thanksgiving and was like, Mommy, you go to the hospital. So she went to the hospital, got treated. Everything was good. She went home the day after Christmas, but because she wasn't getting medical care constantly, her health just declined really rapidly. Do you know how they diagnose diabetes before like tests and stuff? Do I want to (laughs) know? Do you want to know? I don't know. Tell me. The doctors would drink their urine or like (gasps) taste their urine. Ew. Yeah. So, like, there's probably a reason it was undiagnosed, because I, I don't want to drink urine. <laughs> That's really gross. <laughs> yeah. No, I did not know that. That's disgusting. I read that somewhere. I don't know how credible the source was, but, I mean, I read it, so it was on the internet. Well, at this point, it was, like, 1956. Was that still? I think so. Ugh. Ew. Okay, anyways. Because it, it was before, like, modern tests and everything for diabetes, like, blood, blood sugar tests and stuff like that, so. Ew. Yeah. yeah gross okay so her health declined and then on february 10th 1957 three days after her 90th birthday she passed away in her sleep she was buried next to almanzo at the mansfield cemetery 11 years later rose also passed away she was 81 when she died and she was Mm -hmm. buried next to her parents oh yeah so now the show little house on the prairie was adapted based off of laura's books and the ingles family Uh, And it aired on television from 1974 to 1984. And then, of course, you can catch reruns. Are you tuning? No. Sorry. Watching reruns. I wasn't listening. You're a punk. He's over here tuning his ukulele (laughs) as I'm telling the story. I'm sorry. My ADHD at its finest. So then the, the show became popular and you can still watch reruns of it today. If you stay up in late enough, it's either that or George Lopez. Just or you kidding. can just steal your mom's copies. Probably if she still has them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mom still has them somewhere. And have you watched any of them? Mm-hmm. Do you remember anything from them? Yeah, a few of them. I remember, is it, 
so in the in the story, so like the name's still mm-hmm. the same. So like Mary is the older sister. Uh-huh. So I remember Mary getting glasses. I remember she was legally blind, like mm-hmm. like not even conceived with glasses. Like she was blind, blind. I remember Laura. Like there's a scene where she's biting her fingernail, her toenails. <laughs> like she's biting her toenails, and then her sister comes in, like that's disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. I remember the dad calls his kid. I think it's Laura. Uh, like half pipe, half pint or something like that. Something, yeah. Half, I think half pint. That sounds right. And then I remember a love interest that Laura had in a guy at their school who was more into Mary and they had like a little love tree where they would put like their initials <laughs> in the love hearts. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but the thing is like, uh, Laura wanted to impress this guy with her smarts and everything. So she would learn stuff. And then, like, they're at the dinner table with this guy, and she's, like, showing off some stuff. And then she's like, and fire can't burn without oxygen. And she covers the fire, and it, like, goes dark. And then Dad's like, well, I just put my uh, my elbow in sauce or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of things. Sorry, you can keep going. No, that, that, that's kind of it. It's just little little bits. And, and of course, I remember the intro, because who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of things about Little House on the Prairie that do model after her life. Mm-hmm. However, it, she, like I said, she's admitted it's embellished. But, like, they do have the story of the relationship between her and Almanzo. Uh, they do have her sister going blind. I'm pretty sure they do have the death of her brother in there at some point. But the, a few things that are definitely fictional is they have this, like, arch nemesis. I think her name is Nellie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Hold on. I just want to make sure. I also remember... They, like a new girl moved into town and she one of her legs was shorter than the other so the dad made her like uh adjusted shoes yeah like the platform shoe. shoes and uh-huh. then did her parents get mad about it or something i don't know i maybe no that sounds right i think it had something to do with like she doesn't need help and mm-hmm. he's like what are you talking about you know yeah so nelly uh olison i'm not sure i think it's like olison or something like that uh she and Laura in the TV show are like enemies and they always pick on each other. Like there's one scene where Nellie is in a wheelchair and mm-hmm. like has casts on both legs and Laura pushes her down a hill in the wheelchair. <laughs> However, Nellie nice. in real life doesn't exist, but they put her, you know, she's yeah. a big character in the show. Um, fun fact, a few fun facts about the TV show itself, not about the real Laura Ingalls, but the actresses who play Mary and Laura, who are sisters, mm-hmm. hated each other in real life. Oh, really? So even to this day, they don't have a relationship. They never they never kept in touch. They just didn't like each other, didn't get along. Which I guess you could say would make them really good actresses because, like, you can't really tell. I mean, they're sisters. They have, mm-hmm. like, the little sister grievances, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. And then Nellie, who is the enemy, is actually one of the actress who played Laura. They're, like best friends even to this day however many years later you know 50 years later Mm -hmm. so um that's just pretty funny another funny thing is the actor who played charles was really proud of the fact that he was ripped like loved it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so any chance he could he would ask for scenes where he could be shirtless (laughs) i mean why wouldn't you if you were were ripped (laughs) and he worked like i mean he depicted life on a farm so it wasn't like unusual right but it's just this funny that he was just like hey do I need a shirt for this scene? Do I? Like- <laughs> <laughs> He's the real reason women watch this show. 
He's a uh, real reason your mom and my lo- mom love this show. Oh, let's be real. Like, <laughs> the curly I don't hair. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What else? Uh, so the in the intro song or introduction, whatever, there's a scene of like the daughter Carrie rolling down the hill. That was completely by accident. So mm-hmm. the little girl who played Carrie was actually two sisters, twins. So they would, because, you know, child labor laws, whatever. So they had these twin girls who would like rotate and one of the girls when they weren't filming was up on the hill and started she tripped and started rolling down and she was fine like you know whatever and someone happened to be recording and they kept it and put it in the introduction because it was cute so Mm -hmm. oh another fun fact that they did this is true and i'm pretty sure they kept it in the tv show when laura and almanzo got married so laura she's known for being spitfire and Mm -hmm. they depict that really well in the show she's very like she knows who she is. She knows what she wants. She's not going to put up with crap. She's actually known for being very, like, like early feminist. The kind of feminism that I 100% agree with. Like, mm-hmm. no, I don't, you know, to an extent I agree with this, I guess I should say. But, like, she's like, I'm strong. I can do things on my own. I don't need your help. Like, I can, you know, yada, yada, yada. But when they were getting married, one of the vows that she was asked to say was, like, I promise to obey my husband or whatever. And mm-hmm. she was just like, I'm not making that promise. <laughs> and she like wouldn't say it but Almanzo was like all right let's just skip that line and you know like he's like i still want to marry you you don't have to obey me Mm -hmm. she was like no (laughs) Uh, simpler times i'm just kidding but yeah so i i don't know i think it's a cool story um that's the story of laura ingles wilder she has a cool life uh there's so much more about her life that are written in these books but it's hard to talk about as fact like i said because it's not 100 percent sure like mm-hmm. what exactly is real and what's not from her stories and hop is awake okay sorry everyone we had to pause really quick because harper just woke up but now we have a little guest she's here with us i don't know if she's gonna make any sound but she has the headphones on we call them her little hellos because she likes to say hello when Miles is using them to talk to his sister, Mariah. Mm-hmm. Or when we're working, too. Yeah, or when we're working. And we're always saying hello to people on the other end. <laughs> so she calls them hellos. You have your hellos on? Oh, she just woke up, so she's a little sad. But I wanted to ask, so the definition of pioneer is someone who is among the first to settle in a new piece of land, mm-hmm. new territory. Um, so with that being said, there's a lot of people who have pioneer ancestry. And so I wanted to know, I wanted to see if you had any like family pioneer memories or stories that you know of. I don't even, I mean, I would assume you would have pioneers in your family. Maybe. But you don't know for sure? I don't know for sure. I know I've mentioned this on, on a pot on like a previous episode. Um, but my grandpa came over from Austria to Australia um, during World War Two, So, like, not necessarily... Those weren't... So, that's not really pioneer because Australia was already settled. Right. As far as, like... I, I don't know. Maybe. That's still pretty cool. I mean, it's that, not that, the he same, has, but... He has some cool stories, but... Yeah. Yeah, to my knowledge, not really. I'll have to I ask know, my parents. I know were. on your mom's side, this also isn't the same as pioneer, but you have, like, Native American history and ancestry mm-hmm. on that side. Yes. 
which also has i'm sure some really cool stories yes like uh my great-grandpa augie was like a he was a knife thrower knife thrower yeah he um yeah he was a performer with knife throwing and so like my grandma and her sister he would like you know those uh the targets and everything that would spin around it was kind of like i don't think they would actually spin around or anything like that i don't i don't know for sure (laughs) um but like he, he would do like the knife throwing like you know around them as well oh that's so scary so, mm-hmm. but if you're trained i guess yeah I don't know. He, he was apparently really good i believe it i mean they're still alive so <laughs> like uh my grandma and her sister that's funny yeah so um i actually have pioneer ancestry on both sides of my family and one of my favorite stories to tell so my uh pioneer heritage is actually like specifically mormon pioneer mm-hmm. and so I have ancestors on both sides of the family who like traveled across the United States uh, to settle, you know, on the West Coast. And uh, one day I was with my mom's side of the family. Are you going to give her a hug? Oh, so sweet. Oh, Harper's giving our dogs hugs and kisses. Okay, take three. <laughs> like um, 300. So basically what happened is we were at my grandparents' house, my mom's side, and we were reading the journals from one of my, it was like my fifth great grandpa who was a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like my fifth great. Yeah, talking about grandma and grandpa. Huh. She's contributing. Anyways, so... We're reading this story and he starts talking about, so my maiden name is Hess. And so he starts talking about this man who was with him on his journey named John Hess. Mm -hmm. And we're reading this and we're like, wait a second, because this is my mom's side of the family that we're reading this from. And we're like, wait, did he just mention John Hess? So we actually did some research and found out that my ancestors on my dad's side of the family and my ancestors on my mom's side of the family knew each other mm-hmm. during this trek across the country um and they both wrote about each other in their journals and then however many years later their great 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 grandchildren end up getting married and yeah. i and my brothers and and sister are a product of both sides mm-hmm. of the family so these two men it was john Steele and john hess were like companions in this thing they talked about their wives and their kids and their hardships and they mentioned each other they were friends enough to be mentioned in their journals Mm -hmm. and then years later here we are like literally product of both families (laughs) so that's pretty cool so that's really cool moral of the story if you have a best friend and your kids don't get married just maybe wait like five generations because maybe your great 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 grandchildren will get married (laughs) hi hoppa anyways thanks for coming and hanging out with us for the last two minutes of the podcast yeah do you have any wise words for us, Harper? No. Yeah. What What do you want to say to everyone? Do you want to say something to everyone? Yeah. What are you eating? A popcorn. Popcorn. Good job. Up. In a cup, for sure. Did you have a good nap? <laughs> Anyways. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Fam Damily. We're here every week, sometimes late. Sometimes a day late, but we're still every week. We're consistent. Don't forget to follow us, subscribe. 
and tell your friends like us on all the socials family podcast on on everything literally do you have any advice for us still she's just nodding her head do whatever the two-year-old wants and your lives will be a lot easier baby Mm -hmm. have a baby and another baby yep another baby (laughs) have a baby then another baby and that's your wisdom from Hopper today. Yep. You got two babies, huh? All right, everyone. You're the bee's knees. We love you. And we'll catch you next week. Bye.